Hello and welcome to Life from Lockdown Library, presented by Bookworm Goa, with your hosts Nayan and Anandita. This is a series of conversations with book and library people where they share their responses to the ongoing global crisis. We're talking social distancing from a community perspective. We're talking access to books and storytelling, but in quarantine. The hope here is to find ways together to reimagine the library, to think of it as a vital, evolving, transcendent space that can both hold and give voice to this moment of intense uncertainty. Presenting live from Lockdown Library. Hi, I am Nayan, a library educator. I will be your host for today's episode of Lockdown Library where we will be speaking to Rimli Bhattacharya. Rimli Bhattacharya, a university professor, finds a major area of intellectual engagement for her is to link her involvement with primary education in India with research on children's literature. Her ongoing involvement with the classroom experience informs her MPhil seminar on children's literature, childhood pedagogy and literary forms. Professor Rimli is currently finishing a book on imagining literature for children in India. It's tentatively entitled Many Tongues, Many Realities and is to be published by Bloomsbury. We are so honored to have her with us today. Good afternoon, Rimli. Thanks for joining us today in Lockdown Library. Hello and thank you for giving me this wonderful opportunity to um, to talk about something which is absolutely at the heart of, I think, uh, a new vision. Thank you for joining us today in Lockdown Library. Uh, so, Rimli, today uh, we will be talking about many things related to lockdown and how it has affected libraries. So, I, I have a question here for you. Uh, what do you think about this sudden abundance of online content in the field of library work? Well, it's uh, fantastic, undoubtedly, that there's this, I mean, I think of it almost like a dam uh, bursting and instead of destruction, there's this rich reservoir of material. And uh, so, so yes, at one level, it is an extraordinary thing. You know, um, literature can actually include and does include a range of stuff, stories, poems, verses, songs. And uh, so, so that there's a more fluid understanding of what might make up children's literature, you know? Uh, so exercising mm -hmm. rhythm, rhyme, um, sur or tal, as we say, uh, performative aspects, uh, even the body. And, uh, and, 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 and this is where I begin to have many questions, critical questions about uh, which I would like to juxtapose with that, with with the riches that you just spoke of, of the uh, reservoir of online material. That is, if we believe that uh, literature is actually this huge range, uh, then you know I'm not so sure that uh, simply having a, a huge amount of that stuff, uh, and it's mostly printed books that we have online, maybe some storytelling sessions. 
uh, I don't think it can ever, uh, and I know I'm using a strong word, uh, but I don't think it can ever, uh, given where we are at the level of human evolution today. Maybe it'll be different, uh, you know, 20 years hence, but right now it can ever make up for, it can ever uh, tap all those other, you know, forms, all those expressive forms, uh, which above all require a certain orientation to, uh, to, to other human beings. So, so I am, I, I think it's, you know, these words, isolation, segregation, uh, and, and, and the digital actually to, to me are extremely double-edged words. And, and maybe as we continue, I could clarify some of these. Yeah, we would like to capture your thoughts on uh, all these three words that you mentioned, because uh, we have been witnessing many of the children who were such active in library space, but uh, at the moment, due to, uh, due to the lack of access to internet and to the system, they are on the other side of a digital divide and they don't have access to stories like how many children have in form of uh, online stories, read aloud sessions. So we would like to uh, know your thoughts on this. Yeah, so let me begin with a disclaimer that I, uh, at the risk of being politically incorrect, let me also tell you just before the COVID-19 thing hit us, you may know that in Delhi there were these riots. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I had not many, but quite a number of my students were working in those areas in North, uh, Northeast Delhi. And one of the things that we, I and some of us had planned to do was actually to buy books. And this is something I've done during the Gujarat uh, riots as well, that um, there were children in camps, there were displaced children, there were traumatized children, there were orphan children. And yes, of course, you need medical attention, you need food, you need shelter. But I also felt books were very important. And uh, so similarly, this time, that's what we had planned to do. I'd even started buying books, you know. And then the COVID-19 and the lockdown um, came. So this was an, um, a, 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 a situation that I never finally was able to actually um, follow up on. So yes, uh, while these online reservoirs are opening up, and I was telling you, I was just thinking of a book that one of my students sent me. It was... It's called Harold and the Purple Crayon, 1955, I think, was when it was published. And it's just a simple story of a boy with a crayon. And the boy creates his own, own world with a crayon. Now, I wouldn't have seen this book if had this student not sent it to me. So, yes, for children mm -hmm. whose parents can be at home, for those who have a home, and for children whose parents, it's not enough just to have a home and parents, but children who some education and a great investment in their children because I have neighbors for example just upstairs and and this is not just because of COVID-19 that is the case I see a lot of parents like that so it's not simply a question of class or money or resources uh, you you have to have all these in place you know to, to and, and and then for the vast majority uh, not just in India, but across the globe, who are displaced, who are hungry, who are starving, who are exposed to violence, 
who are functioning amidst, uh, you know, massive political uh, apathy and brutality, who for us are images on our, mostly on our TV screens. I don't know what stories these children carry within themselves. I don't know, and I'm not just talking about the experiencing of disaster, but I'm talking about the possibility of expressing themselves, you know? So uh, while the, the, the floodgates of digital reservoirs are welcome and wonderful, uh, I think we cannot think of digital, the, the digitized, uh, the digital paradise, I'm, I'm saying it with a bit of sarcasm, uh, as something which itself solves the problem, you know? So I'm not just speaking of the digital divide. This is very close to my question, which is very important for all of us who want to work with books, with libraries, with children, with, with knowledge, is how do we find our ways? And I'm saying ways in the plural because they can't just be one way. Out of what mm. is essentially an extremely limited, controlled, and all seeing, all collecting, you know, uh, domain, which is the digital domain. So I, mm -hmm. I characterize the digital domain not only as that which makes available, but that which is actually in the ways it makes available is extremely limited, controlled, all seeing, and all, con all controlling, all collecting. And all of which, you know, both the both the what is made available and what to what we quote unquote supposedly respond is which is supposedly sold as free, as unlimited, as deeply personal. You know, you will notice all these apps, all these things indicate, give you this illusion that it's extremely personal and pleasurable. Yeah. Yeah. Now now, I feel that actually, in fact, it's none of those. And if and I'll just quote something that I it's from an article in The Wire that I happened to read yesterday. Technology itself does not challenge anything. It can take the direction of the mind that deploys it. It can even function outside of reason. So I feel today it's not simply a question of the digital divide. The question is, where are the skills? Where is the expertise? Where is the investment in creating digital criticality? Um, yeah. You know, whatever, like a crusader. No, you have, yeah, you have raised a very, very valid point about digital. It's the material is available, but uh, the critical thinking around it and how we are using it and how it's shaping each individual is also something to reflect on. Yeah. So the idea of the individual in a digital age has to be completely rethought. Uh, so uh, Rimli, we also have, we also observe that many of our library partners and field organizations mm -hmm. are engaging with uh, relief work. Yes. Maybe, uh, maybe they feel that uh, that is what they must do because it is of urgency and relevance. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this in light of our vision for libraries? Well, as I said to you a little while ago, without knowing this, that yes, the first instinct in committed people of whatever uh, color or uh, political hue 
is to literally jump into the fray, you know, and uh, you can call it activism, you can call it solidarity, you can call it uh, volunteerism. I mean, you can give whatever name you like to it, but it it shows a certain social consciousness, uh, a social consciousness which is uh, uh, which is lit by uh, by uh, you know incidents which seem huge beyond human control and therefore the need for the human to engage with it. Uh, as I was just telling you a little while ago that after the riots, my, my yes, I did collect uh, money, I did collect materials, I did collect food grains, but, um, but the other simultaneous instinct was the instinct that children who are traumatized and displaced also have something else to feed their minds on, you know, something, even if they can't read, if they have visuals, if they have visuals which are different, visuals which are uh, in some ways life affirming, uh, there's something there. So, so while I absolutely cannot say that, you know, if a person is starving or dying, you know, give them a book, that's not what I'm saying. But I, I think the two have to be hand in hand and, and depending on the on where you are and, and, and the conditions in which you're working, you you have to figure out, you know, what is uh, what is more critical, but but not to make it an either or. So as you said that we need to, you know, it can't be either one or you know, we can switch to this thing for the moment and we'll come back to our work later on. It needs to go hand in hand which also requires us to examine our own vision and area of work, whom we want to work with, why, how and such. How does this apply to the work that you have been doing? Uh, material is, a, is, is fantastic. You know, if you can on your feet rethink material, if you can learn as you trial, if you can learn as you listen, that's, mm -hmm. that, that's great. And that's why, again, uh, it's going to be very difficult post COVID-19 because uh, again, I'm going to quote um, someone because I was very amazed that um, he's the CEO of Microsoft. Uh, you may have heard of his name, Satya Nadella. And I was really amazed that in an interview uh, to the New York Times, he actually said, because everybody's now saying, oh, we can do everything online and remote working is so great. And he said it would be replacing, I'm quoting him, replacing one dogma with another dogma. What does mm. mental health look like? What does that connectivity and community building looks like? I, and he uses the word social capital. I, I don't know if I want to use that word, but so I would again question, you know, it's not simply a digital divide. Even if we were say all equal, even let us say everyone had internet and everyone had a computer. I'm talking about something more fundamental that is essential for knowledge making. And, and, and I see library work as uh, being very central. To Thanks for sharing that uh, Rimli. So my last question is, uh, do you have any thought or a message that has been illuminating for you, which you would like to share with our listeners whom we trust our library workers and library educators? I don't know if I could call it a message, but a thought. 
it would be a very strong um, awareness, which perhaps can be shared, which is, I think we are, uh, it's not just a paradigm shift that we are facing right now. It's, it could be, one could think of it almost as a planetary shift. You know, what we are going to do now and subsequently is going to determine the future of our planet and what each one of us does. So I, I, uh, I, I feel there is a tremendous uh, responsibility for each one of us, even as there's great despair, but there's tremendous responsibility. And uh, we cannot continue to simply pass the pillow, you know, like the game passing the parcel. Uh, we have to ourselves think, believe that we are capable of reshaping and reimagining and uh, ensuring that there's a radical potential in, in the work that we are doing. So I think of library work as absolutely at the front line, you know. Uh, people think of only doctors and other medical people as being on the front line. But I think of people working with minds, with books, with children, absolutely as frontline workers. So if we can think, if we can reimagine how songs, how poems, how stories travel, and uh, if we yeah. can think of how to listen, you know, because listening is an art and it's getting lost. If we can ensure that we create the transformation, whether in digital work or in, as you said, you know, some people were working in, in camps and other places. Uh, I think there's a tremendous radical potential in this moment. So um, this, for me, it, it's the possibility of doing things, but both believing in the word and yet always being beware, you know, being a little wary. But just to end by way of one quick thought, uh, a long time ago, and sadly we couldn't follow it up, uh, Samina Mishra, I think is her name. She and I had thought of, yeah. uh, in fact, I had suggested it to her and she was very keen and, and the project fell through finally because I had uh, personal problems and could not follow it up. We, we had thought of using the FM radio stations as a way of uh, uh, doing podcasts for children because they, they, there's much greater accessibility with that. So I just want to leave that as a last thought. If somebody can do something with that, that would be great. Yeah. And I wanted to thank you and both of you and Sujata and the bookworm, all the bookworms of the world. <laughs> Uh, thanks a lot, Rimli, for sharing your thoughts and experiences. It was indeed our pleasure to host you today. Thanks for uh, joining us. This has been an episode of Life from Lockdown Library. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week.